0: Mighty God, we thank you that you have gathered us here this morning to hear from your word, to be filled by you and fed by you, to go out and to live our lives as faithful followers of you. So, Lord, we ask that this morning that you would open our minds and our ears. Lord, that you would feed us truly, deeply. Lord, we ask that the truth of your word would be spoken this morning and your truth of your word alone be remembered. Amen. You may be seated. Well, this morning we are continuing our annual trek through the book of Romans in a series that we call the Romans Road. We're in chapter 12 now where Paul has shifted his focus to talking more about who is the Christian in the Christian life and what does that look like. And in our readings this morning, Paul begins talking about spiritual giftings. And when I read that, that's one of my favorite words, gift. I enjoy gifts. Who doesn't love receiving a great gift on their birthday or Christmas? I can think back on many early Christmas mornings when I wake up in my pajamas and I run into the living room and I find the first box with my name on it and I just start opening it up. No one else is even awake yet. I've gotten a lot of great gifts over the years. Many that I remember, that I enjoyed, many that I still own to this day. However, I do recall the one gift that I never even used. One year my dad bought me and my brother remote control drones, the really fancy helicopters with the cameras. And as cool as I thought that the gift was, I just never took it out for a spin. I never found an opportunity to go use it. Um, I'm sure I had many, I just didn't take advantage of them. For a while, I put the drone all put together and ready to go on top of a bookshelf. And every time I passed by it, I would think, maybe today will be good weather, I'll take it out then. But I didn't. I'd pass by it, and I'd pass by it. Eventually, as time went on, I took the drone, and it moved from the bookshelf to a box in the closet. And eventually that box in the closet became a box in the garage. And eventually when I moved, I was going through boxes in the garage, and I found half a drone, and a bunch of the bits and baubles were missing, and I couldn't even find the remote, so I threw it out altogether. In the end, it was a gift unused. Well, it's one thing to neglect a gift from your earthly father. It's another thing entirely to neglect a gift from your heavenly father. And Paul this morning is continuing to, to exhort us to offer our lives as living sacrifices. And the image that he gives us this week is this image of participating in the life of the church through the gifts that we are given by God. So the question is, what is the difference between a gift that our parents might give us or that we might give our children and a gift that God gives his children? As, rec- as we recall last week, Gene reminds us that theology, what we know about God, leads to doxology, which is praise, which leads to practice. As Christians, belief and behavior are intertwined, they're inseparable. You can't have one without the other. Or at least if you do, you're very unhealthy. The Christian faith is a faith that is lived out in our physical bodies. Faith is not simply something believed only in our minds. And as we have already heard this morning, Peter and Paul do not describe the gifts of God as ones that we can simply put on a shelf or place in a box in a garage. No, these gifts make a difference in our lives. They're lived out in our lives, and we're called to use them. God's gift of grace is free in the sense that we cannot earn it, but it is not free in the sense that it does not cost or demand something of us. God's grace demands a response. God's gifts demand a response and the problem with this is that in our day we think about gift giving a lot differently than we would think about gift giving in the early centuries to the people that paul's writing his letter to in rome there was a kind of cultural etiquette that accompanied gifts gift giving was a reciprocal affair when someone gave a gift to someone else there was an understanding that they would get something back in return and oftentimes that took the form of service And gifts back then were often a way of solidifying relationships between two people. And that's still kind of how we do it today. We give gifts to people that we love because we love them. But back then, a master would give a gift to a servant to solidify that relationship that he is the master and they are the servant. Likewise with a patron and their client. A patron might give a gift to their client to remind them of the relationship that they have. So when Paul is describing how the Lord our God gives gifts to his children, there's an expectation implied that we would respond by using that gift faithfully in service to him and to others. Just as we are obligated last week, as we heard, to be living sacrifices, as part of that, we are also obligated to be what we might call living graces, people who live out the spiritual gifts that they're given. This is a part of that relationship that we have with God in Christ. So where and how do we use our spiritual gifts? Paul has the answer to this as well when he says, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. There's a lot there. But Paul is telling us that to understand how we are to live out our God-given gifts, we have to understand the place that we live them out. We have to understand what it means to be a part of the church, which, cri- which Paul compares to a body specifically the body of Christ but why does Paul compare it to a body and why specifically the body of Christ well first this comparison reminds us that to live the Christian life on earth is to be incarnational it means that as human beings we have physical bodies we aren't simply spiritual we're physical as well and as although we age and our bodies break down and eventually beauty fades our flesh is still a good thing made by God. To be a Christian calls each and every one of us to glorify God, not just in our minds with the things that we think and believe, but in our bodies and in our actions and our deeds. This is why Paul calls us to present our bodies as living sacrifices, not just our minds. Our gifts can be expressed physically through the service that we offer to one another. Secondly, this comparison of the body to the church reminds us that To live the Christian life is to live a life that is in community. Just as different organs reside in one body, sharing the same DNA, so too do we live in one community with the same DNA that is the faith that we confess. Remember that as we are baptized, we are baptized into a spiritual reality, which is the church. We become Christians among Christians throughout the world. Paul says in another letter, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. See, there's no such thing as a purely independent Christian, at least not a spiritually healthy one. Just as a heart cannot survive without a body to serve its function and pump blood through, so too can the singular Christian not hope to survive without fellow believers. Going back to what we read last week, Paul calls us all to present our individual bodies, plural, as one living sacrifice, singular. Paul is saying that every Christian shares the same goal in the church, As we live out our lives and our gifts, we are all made to the end that we would glorify God and to care for one another. As Paul describes it, we are individually members of one another, and that almost sounds like a a paradox or an oxymoron. How can you be both? But Paul affirms both of these natures, that we are both at the same time individuals, and that we are also inseparably, inseparably connected and dependent upon one another in our walks with Christ. To be a Christian is to be in a community with other believers. This is why Paul calls us to be sober-minded and not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. Paul wants us to avoid thinking pridefully and instead of looking to our own needs, look to the needs of others because we have a gift that can answer a need. This interdependence finds its home in the physical church, which for us is right here in this building. This is where we can live out our gifts as faithful Christians. Lastly, Paul calls the church the body of Christ because Jesus is the head of the body, and he teaches this to the church in Ephesus that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, and he continues to lead his church on earth. So when we use our gifts to serve others, ultimately we're serving him as well. As we understand ourselves in relation to the church, we can begin to understand how our individual gifts work in the church. And Paul gives us three things to keep in mind when we think about our gifts that God has given us. First, our gifts or graces that God bestows on us are not purely our own, but are meant to be blessings to others. There's no such thing as a privatized gift in the body of Christ. There's no such thing as a gift that's only meant for yourself. Every gift is meant to bless the whole body. After all, gifts are by nature an outward expression— You can't go out and buy yourself a gift. That's just buying something. If I went out and bought a sports car for myself for my birthday, even though it's my birthday, I didn't buy a gift. I just bought a car. By nature, gifts are something that you give to someone else for their benefit. It doesn't add anything to yourself. When Paul commands us to think sober-mindedly and tells us that we are members one of another, he is saying that we are gifted by God to be a blessing to those around us. The second thing we need to note is that all of us are gifted, and none of us are dispensable. Paul doesn't say that only some of us have spiritual gifts. He doesn't separate Christians into those who are gifted and those who are not. He says that we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Every believer has a unique gift to offer for the benefit of those around them, especially in the church. In our readings from Corinthians, we heard... Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. See, God is something for everyone. We just have to figure out what it is and pray that the Lord would reveal to us what it is, our spiritual gift. This is partly what happens when we come to confirmation when we had the bishop here uh, a couple months ago and we kneel in front of him and he prays over us. And one of the things that we pray is that God would reveal what gifts that he has for us because we all have a ministry to be a part of. As Paul continues in Corinthians, he describes various parts of the body and how none of them can say that because I'm not a different part of the body, I can't be a part of the body. But that's not true. Every gift is valuable in the kingdom. Some of you might be thinking that, well, Cody, if I'm a part of the body of Christ, I must be an appendix, because I have nothing to offer, and I'm an organ without purpose. (laughs) If you feel this way, don't lose courage. You undoubtedly have a gift, even though you may not know what it is. And if you're struggling with that, and you don't really know what it is that you might be called to do, come talk with me, talk with Gene. We'll figure it out together and we'll pray with you and we'll figure out where it is God is pointing you in his church. You undoubtedly have a gift. Do not be in doubt of that. Do not discount yourself into thinking that you have nothing to offer to the life of the church. And lastly, the final thing to remember is that, as I mentioned earlier, we are called to exercise our gifts, not put them on a shelf. Paul calls us on to use our gifts each as we are able according to the grace given to us by God. In our gospel lesson this morning, Jesus is teaching the same thing through the parable of the talents. In the story, the master entrusts to his servants different gifts of talents. To one he gave five, to another two, and to another he gave one. Now a talent at that time wasn't a skill like we think, like a talent show. A talent was a sum of money. In fact, it was so much money that a single talent was about 20 years worth of wages. You could almost retire off of a single talent alone. So if we put this into perspective, the first man was given 100 years of labor. The second man was given 40 years of labor. The third man, 20 years of labor. Now the first two servants invest their money and they double it while the third servant wastes it, simply burying it and does nothing. When the master returns, he rewards the two who doubled their talents and he receives them with joy. But the third servant, who shows up with his talent, dirtied and covered in dust, he calls him wicked, slothful, and he does not receive him, but he casts him out. See, Paul and Jesus are telling us that God has given us all talents of our own, this time not of money, but of spiritual giftings. Some of us still have 20 years to use our gifts. Some of us have 40 years. Some of us who are infants, like our newest member, Cove Gorbald, still has an entire lifetime ahead of them to use his gifts. So I ask you this morning, how are you using the talents that God has entrusted to you? How are you offering yourself as a living grace to those in the church who need it? I want to end on a reflection of just the word grace and what it means for us. The grace of God, that beautiful grace which gives us eternal life, that grace which through water and spirit washes away sin and leaves the sinner's soul as white as snow, that wonderful grace that clothes our whole being with the righteousness of Christ, that costly grace that required nothing less than the life of God's own innocent Son, that sweet grace which we encounter in bread and wine that stirs us on to live the Christian life. What is that grace to you? Is it precious to you? Does the mere thought of it overwhelm your heart? Does it fill you to the brim with joy and gratitude? Friends, the grace of God is immeasurable in value, far more than any talent. God has given each and every one of us a way to serve him with his grace. When we do, we glorify him to his joy. We uplift our brothers and sisters in the process. When we don't, we cheapen God's grace. We bury it in the ground. We leave it in a box in the garage. Let us not do that. Let us be faithful stewards of what God is doing in our lives and what he has made us for. Let us be living graces to those around us. Amen. Now standing together, let us confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed.